This sermon series uh, on prayer uh, began last week, and I encourage you, uh, if you miss one of them, to remember that online there is the audio and eventually each week the uh, manuscript of the sermon so that you can see how all of this perhaps hangs together and works together as we learn more about prayer. And as has already been mentioned, we're thinking this morning about the frustration and the mystery of unanswered prayer. And I'm going to be reading that classic passage from 2 Corinthians 12 in which the Apostle Paul was so honest and transparent about his own failures. And then also a beautiful, hopeful verse passage from Revelation, the fifth chapter. I invite you to stand as God's word comes among us as I read this aloud. From 2 Corinthians 12, 2 and following, the Apostle Paul writes, I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. And then from Revelation, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 6. Then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders a lamb standing as if it had been slaughtered having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints." The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Everybody struggles with unanswered prayer. The sick want to be well. The poor want an opportunity. The bullied want justice. The ignored want dignity. The lonely want to be popular. The tormented want peace, and the lost want to find the path. Everybody struggles 
with unanswered prayers. Now, if we're not careful, uh, in our frustration with unanswered prayers, we divert into bad practices. Uh, We can sometimes panic, and we sometimes begin to do a very unwise thing. We can bargain with God. I heard the story about a man who was trying to park at Walmart, and he couldn't find an open parking spot. And he drove around, and he drove around, and finally he said, Lord, I can't take this much longer. I I need a parking spot, and if you'll open up a parking spot, I'll quit gambling, and and I'll start going to church. And uh, so no sooner had he prayed that prayer out loud than the clouds parted and the sun beamed down on a vacant parking spot. And as he pulled in, he said, never mind, Lord, I found one myself. (laughs) A reminder that God is not our servant. I mean, that story is fun, but it's a reminder. God's not our servant. Sometimes we treat prayer that way. A reminder that answered prayer is not a commodity that you buy on the open market. That answered prayer is not a commodity that you bargain for by saying, you know, I'll do this or I'll quit doing that. It just doesn't work that way. Here's an interesting thing. The more I study scripture, the more I realize the Bible does not explain unanswered prayer. Think about that. The Bible describes it, the book of Job, the prophet Jeremiah, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Apostle Paul here. The Bible does not explain unanswered prayer. The Bible puts unanswered prayer in context. The Bible surrounds unanswered prayer with stories. And as we surround the mystery of unanswered prayer with stories, we gain a context for coping ourselves. And one of those beautiful is the one that Hannah referenced and the one that I read, 2 Corinthians 12. The Apostle Paul writing very honestly, very openly, without shame to a congregation that had given him a lot of trouble. He said, you know, I have this thorn in my flesh, a, a, a a reminder not to get too proud because of some amazing, ecstatic experiences I've had. And we don't know what the thorn is, what the thorn was. Uh, We don't have to know. Uh, All kinds of uh, theologians and Bible scholars have have speculated, you know, some kind of disease, some kind of eye disorder, some kind of personal struggle with a particular sin, and on and on. But it really doesn't matter because he he said, I prayed three times for the Lord to take this from me. And instead I got a a different response. See, there were some super apostles. That's what Paul calls them in 2 Corinthians. There were some super apostles who were giving Paul trouble and trying to steal the flock with a false gospel message. They were bringing the gospel of wealth and health, the gospel of name it and claim it. If you pray hard enough, you'll be rich. If you pray hard enough, you'll never be sick. If you, have, if you pray hard enough, all your prayers will be answered. And, and they, even, they even hinted, you know, if the Apostle Paul was really of God, he'd never be sick. They were undercutting Paul's ministry and saying, you know, if he really had a faith relationship with God, he, he, uh, 
he would, he would get all of his prayers answered. And the Apostle Paul just took that argument and turned it on, his head, on its head. He said, you know, I don't serve a, a, wealth and, a wealth and health Messiah. I serve a suffering servant Messiah, Jesus, who was crucified. He took their argument and turned it upside down and he said, I'll boast. I'll boast of my weaknesses. What's more, I will brag about unanswered prayer. And then he tells the story. And he says, the message came from God. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Not going to deliver you from it. I'm going to deliver you through it. Whenever you're weak, Paul, you'll be strong in my power. That's Paul's unadorned testimony. An amazing, amazing confession. So maybe we, instead of trying to solve the mystery of unanswered prayer, need to use Paul as a model and ask ourselves the question, are there some positive things that happen in the midst of unanswered prayer? That's not the same as explaining it away. That's asking a question, what are some positives that might be for us in the midst of unanswered prayer as we wait? This past summer, Janet and I were privileged to vacation in the mountains and one Saturday afternoon we were about 6,500 feet above sea level and we pulled over on this turnout to just stop the engine, get out and look at the beautiful scenery and nearby was a, a young couple I didn't know with a one-year-old little boy holding him and I, and I said, does the high altitude bother his ears at all? And the parents said, no, really not. And I said, well, they, it bothers me and uh, the dad, with a, with a weariness in his voice, said, try crying, it works for him. <laughs> and I went back to the car and I thought, crying unclogs our ears. Maybe, in the midst of unanswered prayer, we listen better. Maybe God's giving us the answer, but it's not the one we want to hear. And in unanswered prayer, when we're crying, our ears pop. And we can hear better. And here's a little bonus. If we learn to listen to God better, what if that also made us better listeners to one another? Think about the honesty of the Apostle Paul in sharing this with the Corinthians, how he modeled for them transparency and authentic relationships. Think about how that maybe released somebody from false guilt, somebody else who was having unanswered prayer in her own life or his own life, and they hear the, the great Apostle Paul say, God doesn't answer all my prayers. Think about how freeing that would be. Think about how that helps us, that bonds us with one another when we can be honest about our prayer struggles. We are connected at a deep level when we find out that lots of saints struggle with unanswered prayer. You know, uh, our grown children uh, like to gather with us in the fall each year uh, to go, we call it an apple picking Saturday, where we 
we pick apples at an orchard and uh, go to one of their homes and make apple pies and make apple dumplings and uh, make uh, apple butter. And uh, it's just such a fun day. But, you know, one of the things we always do is to call ahead or check online to see when the apples for that particular orchard will be ripe and ready because it's no fun picking them before they're ripe and ready. And isn't it true that unanswered prayer might happen in our lives because God is growing a particular situation? We can't see it right now. But looking back on it someday, we realize God was ripening a situation. But turn that around. Maybe in that season of unanswered prayer, it's not the situation out there that's being ripened and matured, but God is growing something inside of us. Maybe I'm not mature enough or ready to receive that answer to prayer until God grows something in my life. And that calls for patience. And that's a whole other sermon. The late Eugene Peterson was being interviewed one time at his mountain home in Montana uh, near a beautiful lake. And he was talking about the Christian journey and the struggles And he said one morning he went out early and looked out on the lake and there's this tree with a long branch that sort of uh, hung out over the lake and he saw a kingfisher, a beautiful bird, perched on on that limb. And he saw that kingfisher dive for a fish. And he missed. And he dived again. And he missed. Peterson said, the bird tried 37 times before he finally caught the fish. And Peterson added, no wonder they call him Kingfisher. 37 times. You know what we do? We pray about something a couple of three times, and then we say, I just give up. I don't know if God's there. We grow bitter in our spirit. We stop reading the Bible. We grow angry. 37 times, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. But we we shortchange that passage because the force of the New Testament Greek verbs, it's present tense, and it's literally translated... Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Not one time, but over and over and over again. That patience and persistence as something grows in us or grows around us. Or something better that God has for us that we never dreamed of. Many years ago, there was a man who uh, discovered that his sister uh, was desperately ill, and she was considering going in the hospital to have a very dangerous surgical procedure. The brother did not want her to have the procedure, didn't want her going in the hospital. 
was too afraid of the outcome. So he started praying, Lord, don't let her go in the hospital and do that. Lord, don't let her have that surgery, steer her away, even enlisted the prayers of his pastor. But over time, she went in the hospital, she had the surgery, and guess what? She got well. Later on, this man was talking to his pastor, just elated, and he said, I'm so glad God answered my prayer. And the pastor said, wait a minute. God didn't answer your prayer. You prayed for her not to go in the hospital and not to have the surgery. And the man smiled and he said, I know what I said, but what I meant was, Lord, heal her. Right? What I said was one thing. God knew what I meant. Which reminds us that in Romans 8, 26 and 27, the scripture says the Holy Spirit prays for us, intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And just a few verses later in verse 34 of Romans 8, scripture says Christ himself is at the right hand of God praying for us. Two-thirds of the Trinity are always praying for you. Can you fathom that? And when two-thirds of the Trinity are praying for you, you know how this works? I'll pray for something and the Holy Spirit will hear it and turn to the Heavenly Father and say, Heavenly Father, what Doyle asked for was this, but what he really needs is that. Just take care of it. Kind of the way you put up the guardrails when you take a five-year-old bowling to help the ball get down the lane to hit the pins. How the Trinity puts up guardrails on our prayers to help us and to interpret for us what we mean instead of what we say sometimes. And this amazing passage from Revelation 5 at the end of history as this, this scene where the heavenly beings are, are chanting in worship and falling down before the great God and worshiping the Lamb, and they, they take the bowls which are full of the prayers of the saints to remind us that nothing is ever lost, that all the prayers we've ever prayed though maybe not answered in time, will be answered in eternity, that all the prayers of the saints are gathered up in the bowls and that God is in charge of history and making things right. The great Jewish scholar Abraham Heschel in one of his books reminds us there's a difference between God being silent and God being absent. He said many times God is silent and we assume God is absent. But God may be quietly present, silent, but not absent. And the call for each of us is to trust in the silent God who's in charge of history and through the resurrection promises us that nothing is ever lost. 
to trust this silent God and to hear his voice saying, though you may not be getting the answers you want, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's an answer to prayer.